Hey, this is Jem Jackson, and welcome to this new episode of the I'm Still Standing podcast. In this episode, we are featuring Emily Luchima, co-founder of Standing for Life, an organization created to honor her and her husband's firstborn daughter, Eliana, that lived for 51 days. The recording was initially a Facebook Live where we had tons of technical difficulties. Please bear with us in regards to the sound. Emily shares her experience as a new mom in crisis, the experience of her and her husband losing their daughter, and how hope in Jesus carried them through it all. This episode has been brought to you by I'm Still Standing's inaugural retreat themed Uncovering the Dysfunctions of Our Hearts. This two-day event will be held in Canada's stunning Blue Mountains at the Blue Mountain Conference Center and Resort on March 29th and 30th. This girl's trip with a purpose is for women who want to go to the next step on their healing journey in order to be fully equipped to run the race God has called them to run. Tickets are $1.99 and include six sessions featuring some of Toronto's most anointed women of God. Main speakers are my pastor, Pastor Sharon Joy Witten of Toronto City Church, Adana Phillip of SOS Ministries, and of course, yours truly. We will also have amazing breakout sessions on each day. Our three sessions on the first day are mental health and trauma, finding light in the darkness, grief and loss, and recovering from childhood adversity. The second day, we'll turn up with Zumba, a paint party, and a prophetic worship experience. You don't want to miss this opportunity to move forward in your healing journey. And because I don't want you to have any reason to miss it, I'm offering my podcast listeners a discount code. Use code LISTENER50, LISTENER50 to receive $50 off your retreat pass. Click the Eventbrite link in the episode description to register. See you in March. Our eldest daughter passed away when she was 51 days old, and we walked through some super challenging months with that, and we just really felt called to share hope with other people who walked through the same kinds of stuff as we did, also like other really hard times. My background is actually in fashion. I did 20 years in the fashion industry, now I work in toys, but we also do standing for life outside of that, and we have two girls with us now, Kalia and Revival. Um, and our heart is just to see people have fresh perspective and really to know that God's writing a good end to their story. So that's to start from always. So the first question is, do you mind sharing something about yourself that not many people know about you? Well, I played piano for 20 years. <laughs> And when I was three, and I'm Royal Conservatory trained in piano, um, <coughs> I always want to get back to, but I just, you know, life. <laughs> um, but God's been speaking to me about more lately, just even for my own personal <coughs> the piano and start teaching our girls. And so it's fun because I live with someone, as many of you know, my husband Emmanuel is a worship leader and he plays piano, but he plays by ear. And me who studied for 20 years, it's like, oh my gosh. So it's fun because I think I'm going to ask him to actually help me like learn some of the like ways to play that are not so like play by the book and just really hear Holy Spirit and play what he's speaking to me. So I'm looking forward to that adventure. So that's something that a lot of people know. So you and your husband started 51 Days of Hope. Can you tell us about how it started and what led you to starting it in the first place? So 
the 51 Days of Hope is an annual event we do every year. It's not really an event. It's 51 days where we really um, focus on sharing hope. We've done it in a lot of different ways. We pray about it every year. But the 51 Days of Hope starts on the, on the 1st of February and goes to March 23rd. And the reason we want 51 Days of Hope is to honor our daughter, Eliana, who passed away at the kids um, in March 2013. She was born in their complications during labor. She was born on February 1st, and she lived into kids in the NICU for 51 days. So years after really walking through that and walking through some of our own healing and um, really trying to figure out how we wanted to honor her and also really other people. We've had people in, uh, who encountered us who had walked through their own child loss situations who had totally supported us uh, and we want to be able to do that for other people but then we also have walked through a period of long-term employment in 2011 and we'd also walked through infertility and um, some other things in our marriage so we really wanted to connect with people who are really having a hard time finding hope in the hard things of life so as we thought about her life mm -hmm. what we do and it just sort of this whole number of days that she was alive, we just, it just kept coming up. So we just decided that we would offer her every year for the period of time she was alive, but also really take it as time for us to be intentional and focus outside of the busyness of life, that we would do the 15 days of hope. So the first year we launched it in 2015, and it was really like a social media, sort of just connected with people, sent us about sending text messages to people. We did a big launch on the first close finale on the 23rd. Um, you mentioned that around this time you were really interested in mental health. I just thought, you know, this is not a coincidence that I keep finding friendships with women um, who are in these situations. So let me like get educated. And I started reading up a lot about mental illness and how to deal with it. And one of my very close friends with her as she went through a program at one of the hospitals in Toronto. Um, but little did I know, coming out of the death of Eliana in 2013, that all that journey and all that research with friends um, would serve me really well. And I think that was one of the key things that God really, I guess so amazing how he sets us up to succeed before we even need it. Um, two days after she passed away, we were staying at a friend's in their basement and they're like this and we sort of been hanging out in our pajamas because she was cooking for us and all that kind of stuff but i remembered i was sitting there just thinking about how i was going to move forward and how i was going to be able to move forward and if i was going to be able to move forward uh, with my life and i just remembered reading something i had read about depression and it was just basically something like do something simple today it said like go outside and look at the green of the grass and know that you know that it's green or go outside and look at the blue of the sky and know that you know that you know the atmosphere makes the sky blue but the sky is there the clouds are there they're always gonna like look for the stability in the day that was the sort of the gist of it and it with the article went on to say like it's a simple decision like choosing to get dressed every day or choosing that you're not going to sit on your couch all day or and all of a sudden this article came back to my mind that i'd read and sitting in the basement, I just made this simple decision that I was going to do every day. And I wasn't going to hang out at their house in my pajamas. And I was just, it was like this, such a tiny little thing. 
but that decision to get up and face the day and get dressed and put myself together um, really was such a time, like it's such a tiny thing, but I feel like if there's anyone who's listening who's struggled with mental illness or is like the smallest of decisions can tip the scales. And for me, it really set a path for today. I'm going to make a choice of how I want my day to be. Um, and, and it coupled with coming out at that time was right around that time in the month after Eliana passed away. We, Amanda and I, my husband, just looked back and obviously had a million conversations and talked about could we have done anything differently? Would we have done anything differently? What is going to life going to look like now? And we realized that every day of living in the hospital, we had taken time in the morning or in the evening before, depending on what our day was like, to, uh, to really classify, like, what are we supposed to do today? Like, there's a million doctors to talk to. There's tests to be run. There's things that we can do. Like, I was recovering from an emergency C-section. Should I be at home resting? Um, Emmanuel's still working, you know, should he call into work that day because the procedure, should he not? Just a million things would be how to advocate for our daughter. And we realized that every single one of those 51 days, we had, like, with super intentionality said, God, what do we do today? And how do we do this? Who do we talk to? And what do we say? And we were slow to speak. And we were not quick to, get, like, get down on ourselves. And that's where, like, we have this phrase that we use and we wrote it on her headstone and we say living life with no regrets. And it's sort of like a catchphrase in our society, like, oh, yeah, I want to live with no regrets. But we felt coming out of that 51 days that we, every day we actually had no regrets because we'd taken time every day to be so intentional with God to say, what are we supposed to do today? Um, and we really didn't feel like there would be any other outcome because we've taken that time. So that coupled with this small decision to get lost every day, that I'm going to be intentional, really was the thing that helped me move forward and partner with the optimistic husband <laughs> um, to really say, how can we turn this into something that's amazing? And then I think the other piece was Emmanuel really had this um, download from Jesus with because I had nine friends who were pregnant with me at the same time as Eliana. So there were babies left, right, and center, brand new babies. And uh, I was having a really hard time visiting people and being in houses with babies. And uh, as you at one point, Emmanuel said, you know, are we going to love these kids any less? Because Eliana, it's like, if she was here, would we love them just the same? I said, absolutely. He's like, so because she's not here, we're not going to love them. And and my heart is like, no, absolutely not. I'm not going to love them. And just that alone helped me have a perspective of like, how am I going to live in a way that honors the, the memory of my daughter and the legacy of my daughter and the whole thing of the great cloud of witnesses looking down and cheering us on from the scripture. We started talking about like we have our own mini great cloud of witnesses up in heaven. Um, so I think really seeing all these different pieces come together, like God just really took the time to like pull this thing of all this mental illness research and then this living life with no regrets uh, moment that we had. And then this, are we going to love any less? And started pulling all these little moments. There's a couple other things that played into that, that it really crystallized it for us that, you know, we don't want to be people walking through this life where we're like, woe is me. 
what have we lost? You know, and looking always backwards. You mentioned having a wake-up call when you attended um, a memorial service at Sick Kids. Can you tell us a little bit about what you heard and how that changed your mind? She started talking and she, you know, and to honor her child. And she said, you know, seven years ago when we lost our son and like the breath was literally almost knocked out of me. I was like seven years ago, like this, like, like cause we, we'd already at that point had met so many families who had lost children. Um, they sort of have a gauge for the timeline based on where people are in their healing <laughs> and to feel how deep her grief was. I, I was so astounded. Like we were so astounded. Um, and just our hearts just hurt for her. But then the literally the next person who got up after her, or like one or two people right after her, another woman with another three and a half year old son. And she was bubbly and her son was bubbly and bright and there was not this somber thing over them. And you know, she says to her three and a half year old son, Do you want to see something about your twin brother? And he's like like, you know, like a three and a half year old in the microphone. And he's like, yeah. And uh, so she starts talking about him. And halfway through talking about the, the twin that she lost, this little boy in her arms sort of jumps in, leans into the microphone. He's like, he was such a good kid. And he smiles really big. And the difference, it was like, Holy Spirit just was like, who do you want to be? Like, do you want to live in this deep grief for seven years? or longer, where you can't interact with your family and your children in the future, because you heard it was a younger son, or do you want to be this woman who obviously spoke about the twin in such a way that she wanted her living son to know that he had a brother and that he fought hard for life and that life was worth living and, and enjoying. And it was such, honestly, like the contrast was so astounding to the two of us that we went away from this, all we talked about. Like, I don't even remember anything else that happened. You are one of our session speakers for the retreat, and your topic is finding light in the darkness, grief and loss. What are you most excited about for the retreat? To hear their stories, to hear what they've walked through, to help them walk forward. If, if there's any further ways that, you know, people who've walked through, my particular workshop is on grief and loss. So it's not necessarily about if you've necessarily lost a loved one, but if you've lost a career that's defined you, or if you've walked through, like I walked through a period of 10 months of unemployment and uh, it was super challenging. Uh, and I left like the fashion industry and I had no idea where I was going to land because fashion was my life, you know? Um, so that was a huge loss. So I, I'm just excited to hear where people are at and their stories and to encourage them. Like um, we have, you and I have a mutual friend, um, Sharon Mom Witten, and she would always say to me, this was years before Eliana passed away, she would always say to me, this too shall pass. And it's so true. <laughs> you know, it is in the true. middle of it, when you're struggling and you're looking at what the four walls surrounding your current situation, you feel like there's no change and there's no way out. Um, but time passes and seasons change and, you know, one of the things we have really come to recognize coming out of this um, journey with Eliana is that, you know, people say time heals all wounds. And we totally disagree. Because <laughs> we believe that Jesus heals all wounds and time helps you have perspective on those wounds. I like that. I like that. So, you know, 
because Jesus can heal in an instant what time could never do. And honestly, that that encounter of seeing those two women, the seven years and the three and a half year woman, seeing how the three and a half year woman had come into such healing in three and a half years and the seven year journey had not, it was just such a testimony that time doesn't heal wounds, you know, but Jesus in a moment can heal your heart. I'm super excited about for the retreat is that women either hear something from me or one of the other speakers or from yourself that gives them a fresh perspective that helps their heart get that piece of healing that's going to change, it's going to be the key. Um, or they find another friend who's walking through something that they walk through um, that they can champion each other. You know, I just, I love to see moments in time like this. Like, honestly, for everyone who's watching, who's thinking about coming to the retreat and you just don't know, or maybe you don't have childcare, or maybe you don't have the dollars, or whatever it is. Um, if you really want to be there, if your heart wants to be there, Trust Jesus that he'll make a way. He'll find a babysitter. He'll get you the funds. He'll give you, he will. Someone will bless you, whatever the case may be. Uh, because I think that if you're feeling in your heart, you're supposed to be there. Like, I think this is such a unique moment in time. I really honestly am believing that people are going to walk away with keys that are going to transform the journey of their life. Like, even for me, I'm believing that I'm going to move forward. Um I feel like every time I share my story, it reminds me of things that I need to know. It teaches me something new I can learn from um, from my own journey. And I'm excited. I'm super excited. Thank you so much for listening. And remember to subscribe so that you get notified immediately when we have a new episode. For more information or to contact us, visit our website at imstillstandingseries.com. Standing for so long, I forget I stand tall. On top of thorny paths, I do my heart lies. Mm-hmm. But I'm standing, I'm standing tall. I'm standing, I'm standing tall.